I, I want to tell you that we as Christians need to become great storytellers. Amen. We need to be the best storytellers. Some of my favorite times as a child, some of my fondest memories of my childhood were listening to my parents recount stories from their lives. My parents were always telling stories. My, my dad, I'd always ask him to share with me his fishing and hunting stories. And, and my dad would always tell stories kind of teaching us lessons. So one of his lessons was, you know, appearance always isn't the most important thing. He, he talked about when he got a bicycle and he wanted to have the coolest bike in town. And so he was just captured by these men on their big motorcycles. So one day he found a metal muffler that had fallen off of a car and he thought, man, I'll make my, my bicycle like a, a motorcycle. And so he wired this huge metal muffler onto his bicycle and he said he'd like pull up next to kids and look at them and be like, vroom, 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 you know, threatening them. And then they'd race and he'd always lose because, you know, he had this huge metal muffler on his bicycle. So he was like, appearance isn't always the most important thing, Robert. And my, my mom would talk to us about stories about respecting our, our elders and our authorities, and she told this story about how my, my little uncle got upset because a teacher had been unkind to his sister, and my grandmother, bless her heart, she was the most precious, polished, genteel, well-mannered woman, and so she's going to talk to this teacher about how her and her daughter have kind of had a disagreement, and so she's taking her little four-year-old son with her, and, you know, the, the, the four-year-old son kind of had a lisp, and he, but he looks at the teacher, and he goes, hey, you, to the teacher, and she's like, oh, no, what's he going to say? He goes, you're a kunk, saying you're a skunk to the teacher, um, you know, and that didn't help the, the situation any, the little four-year-old calling the teacher a kunk, so she, they, they teach us these stories, and my mom would tell us this story kind of trying to instill a, a good fear of the water for us. We were always going to the lake growing up, and I was kind of a daredevil kid. And so she'd share this story about how they were diving off the roof of a dock one time. And there was a, a metal ladder to climb up onto the roof. And as they would climb up over and over again and dive off, the ladder was getting more and, 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 and more unstable, looser and looser, until finally she was climbing up one last time, and she's, you know, probably 10, 11-year-old, and the ladder falls backwards, and the lake that we'd go to, Lake Travis, is really deep and really dark, and all of a sudden she falls off the ladder, and a wire wraps around her ankle, and she goes plummeting down, 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 10, 20, 30, 40. She's, she's going down, and all of a sudden her lungs are burning, and it's getting dark, and my uncle and his friends are diving down as deep as they can to find her, and they're not finding her, and she's thinking it's the end. And then all of a sudden, in an instant, she's miraculously able to get the wire loose, and she doesn't know how, but she shoots to the top of the service and survives. And you better believe that from then on, I was scared of that lake. I had a healthy fear every time we went to that lake. <laughs> Stories are powerful. Stories are powerful, and they stick with us. And, and in case you don't believe me, just try this little experiment when you leave the service today. Ask someone that came with you what they remember about the sermon. And they won't remember any of my awesome theological points. 
They won't remember the powerful biblical things I was portraying. What they'll remember is my silly stories. We remember, don't say amen. We, uh, we remember, we remember the stories. And, and you know, for centuries, cultures have passed down their history. They, they've passed down their values, their mores, through stories. Even some cultures that never even had a written language. But they preserve their identity through stories. I, I, I thought of some of the powerful aspects of stories. I wrote a few down. Stories help us make sense of the world around us. Stories give us a history and a context from which to understand our own lives. Stories, I think, are the easiest way to remember information. Stories are probably the most enjoyable medium for us to ingest data, and stories shed light on the personality and character and values of the storytellers. And I believe that we as Christians need to become the most prolific and the most skilled storytellers. We need to capture this medium and and use it more frequently. Because here's what I've noticed. I've noticed that when we're talking about Jesus, and I believe that if you're in this room, you want to be a person that talks about Jesus. You want to share with people about Jesus. Here's what I find. No one ever disagrees with your story. You know, you you might be telling them, about the Lord, and they might say, no, I, I don't believe that. But when you tell your story, I've never told my story and someone go, uh-uh, that didn't happen to you. <laughs> I've never had that happen. I've never had someone stop me in my story and say, you're lying. It hasn't happened. Pe- people believe our stories. And, and, and our stories are one of the easiest ways for people to be brought into the good news of the gospel. Now, let me... Let me illustrate this with a story. I, um, in, in high school, I started becoming aware of this true understanding that apart from Christ, people will die in their sin and not spend eternity with God in heaven. And this really started weighing on me. I started wanting to share this with my friends. Well, I remember my friend John, man. John was awesome. John was such a great guy. He was so kind to people. He was a great student. He was a a real disciplined athlete. He was very respectful to his peers. He was very honoring to adults. He was very kind and honoring to his parents. I mean, he was just an all-around guy. He was so much better of a guy than I was. And I remember one day we were hanging out at his house and playing around and we come into his living room and we sit down and all of a sudden I just have this overwhelming feeling of like, I love this guy so much. He is such a great friend. But John didn't come from a Christian background. And I'm just thinking, I want this guy to know about Jesus. And all of a sudden then my heart starts pounding. You've probably had that before where you're like, God is wanting me to do something right now. And so I looked at John And I said, John, you're going to hell. (laughs) I know this is going to shock you, but that didn't go over well. And I followed it with a really great phrase. I said, John, you're going to hell, but I'm going to heaven. (laughs) Um, 
my, my heart intent was right, but unfortunately, our, our relationship was never the same after that. And, and I went on and did the same thing with several other friends. And honestly, it broke my relationship with those different ones. And so by the time I finally got to college, I was really discouraged about trying to share my faith in Jesus. Because what I had seen is it just broke relationship and, and hurt people. Well, I, I was introduced to a guy named Mark Masterson, and Mark was in his early 30s, and he was investing in and discipling guys on my college campus. And here's the thing I noticed about Mark, hanging out with Mark, he was always sharing his story. Now, Mark was one of those classic fraternity guys in college. Like, if you're older, kind of the animal house kind of guy. If you're younger, I have no idea what the right movie is, because I don't watch those kind of movies now. Uh, but anyway... He was that kind of guy, and he would share, you know, these crazy stories, and it would always capture people's attentions, but then he'd be very vulnerable and start talking about the pain that he experienced when he lost his mother, and she died while he was in college, and the tremendous sorrow that brought him. Then he'd share about this, this freshman Real, he called him a real dorky college student. They would always just come and knock on his door and say, would you please go to Bible study with me? Over and over and over again. But how this guy was so kind to Mark and over and over again persisted and finally Mark was like, okay, I'll go, I'll go with you. And at that Bible study, he heard the good news of Jesus. And he found out that Jesus had died for his sins and Mark realized, man, I'm a sinner. And he gave his life to Jesus. And then Mark would talk about how much it changed his life. And how he turned from being a selfish person to a person who was filled with love for others. A person who was angry and frustrated to a person of tremendous joy. And just to spend a few minutes with Mark, you saw this in his life. I mean, the guy just overflowed with encouragements for other people. Well, that impacted me because what I saw is people would listen to Mark when he told a story. And numerous people's lives were changed. I saw numerous people actually pray and give their lives to Christ as Mark would share his own story. And I became deeply impacted by that. And I want to tell you that this is a biblical concept. I want you to turn with me to the book of John chapter 4. Because in John chapter 4, we see maybe the most unlikely storyteller. You know, I think we all have in our mind the kind of person people would listen to when they talk about their relationship with Jesus. Well, this would probably be the most unlikely person to proclaim the message of Jesus and people believe in John chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. would love to give you one right now. And turn to, to John chapter 4, verse 4, and let's start there. This story is called The Woman at the Well. And it starts like this. It says, now he, and he is Jesus, had gone through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. And just to give you a little context, you know, they didn't carry Avion bottles or Dasani or Ozarka or whatever your water of choice is these days. It'd be horrible if you actually drank from a, a water fountain these days. But they, they actually would go to the well. That's where the water was. And so they sat down. Jesus is tired. It's just a normal day, and he sits down by the well. And look what happens in verse 7. When a Samaritan woman 
came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now look at what happens in verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. So Jesus, just on a, a normal day, intercepts this woman. Now, if you skip down a little, you're going to see in verse 15 why this is even more of an impacting story. In verse 15, the woman says to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Because Jesus said, hey, you want living water from me. Well, he told her, go, call your husband, and come back. Uh, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Yikes. So, so here, here's the deal. This woman, she was not the shining example of a Christian woman. Okay? She had been married not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, but five times. And now the man she's living with, she's like, oh, obviously this marriage thing doesn't work out. I'm just going to shack up with this guy. So that's what she's doing now. So she's in full-blown adultery, and she encounters Jesus. Now, we need to just make note of that for a second and, and say it's not about cleaning up our lives before Jesus finds us. He comes and meets us right where we are. And, you know, we say, I found Jesus. You didn't find Jesus. He found you. And he just opened your eyes to all of a sudden realize, wait, I've been found. That, that's what this is all about. So Jesus finds her in the midst of her sin, in the midst of her brokenness. And he encounters her. And, and let's, let's keep reading to see what happens. They have this discussion. And then in verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Now, this is what I love. This, this woman, if you would have seen her, you wouldn't think this is a spiritual seeker. And, and, and that's, for many of us as Christians, that's our problem is we write off people. We, we look at this person and go, man, their life is so messed up, they'd never be interested in Jesus. So I, I'm not going to talk to them. Or man, that guy, he looks so tough. His language is so harsh. But I want to tell you, inside of so many is this hunger. And so this woman who looks so messed up, she's going, you know, I've been looking for the Messiah. I, I've been wanting to know who the Christ is. Watch what Jesus says. This is so cool. He, then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. She meets the Messiah. She meets Jesus. She has an encounter with him. Now, what happens next is, is really cool because it, it says this in verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Here's what I noticed. This woman, who I'm sure many people would write off as, you know, that woman with a bad reputation, she goes back and becomes a storyteller. Amen. She goes back and is a storyteller. And what is her story? I, I met this man, this, I think he's the Messiah, 
who told me everything about myself. You know, your story about how you met Jesus is so powerful. What she doesn't go back and do is stand up and give this theological treatise. She doesn't go back and give this huge expository message. No, she just goes back and tells her story. And then I love it at the end. Instead of saying, and he's the Messiah, and turn and burn, folks. You know, turn or burn. She, she insets, in, instead, she asks a question. Could this be the Messiah? You know, I, I think people are, are, are burned by Christians being in their face, being dogmatic and preaching at them. And I love what she does. She throws out a question to test their spiritual hunger. She knew he was the Messiah by now. This guy had read her mail, and he had said, I am he. But then she goes back to the people, and she's like, could this be the Messiah? And what do they do? They decide to come and see for themselves. So you, you, you read down. I, I love this. You read down in verse 30. They came out of the town and made their way toward him. I want to tell you, your story is going to draw people toward Jesus. Your story is going to draw people towards Jesus. Now look at verse 39. Look at what it says. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Many of the people believed because of her testimony. I want to tell you that your story of what God's done in your life is going to cause many to believe. Many of you are the key to unlocking the door of someone's heart. Let me, let me just share how I saw this the other day. We started this series a couple months ago, a months ago called The Blessed Life. And one Sunday, I preached the best message. Um, it, was, it was on tithing, and like this was the best message that I've ever preached on tithing. And I had these cool illustrations. I had these pictures up there. I was especially excited that day. I think I was especially anointed that day. And um, just going for it in this sermon. And at the end of it, you know, to just try to accentuate the point, I brought up uh, Jessica Matley to just kind of share her story. You know, just the, it was going to be the little cherry on the top of my awesome message. And so, uh, Jessica comes up, and, and Jessica comes to share her story, and she's talking about how she had just come to Christ. Jessica's a new believer, and I thought this would be really sweet for everyone to hear how she was a new believer, but she heard a message on tithing a, a year ago, and so she started sharing about it, and so she comes up, and she's like, hi, guys. Hi, church. I'm Jessica Matley, and, you know, I wasn't a Christian, and then Shelly invited me, and I didn't have anything better to do, so I came to church, and then I prayed and gave my life to Jesus, and then a couple weeks later, they start talking about tithing, and I thought, well, if that's the Bible, well, then I better do it, because that's what Jesus said, so then I tithe, and then the next week, oh my gosh, I got this huge bonus, and then my salary went up, and, you know, I'm just blown away, and now I've paid off all my debt, and during my message, while I was preaching, and it was awesome, you guys, you know, you're kind of like, hmm, listening, some have fallen asleep, little Jessica steps up at the end of the message, and everyone's like up on the edge of their seats, and eyes are getting all big, and, and so I go out after the sermon, you know, to, to talk to people, and you know what people talk to me about? They didn't talk to me about how awesome my message was. 
Everybody wanted to come up and talk to me about Jessica's story. My message was awesome, folks. <laughs> Go back and listen to it. <laughs> but, but you know what they listen to? No, and, and so I'm having all these people come up and say like, you know, I finally caught it this week. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. When Jessica started to speak. And so all of a sudden, we're just getting story after story about how much they were impacted by Jessica. And all of a sudden, our tithing goes up $20,000 in a month. I'm like, what on earth? Uh, since then, we've made Jessica our pastor of finances. And uh, no, uh, I'm just kidding. But people believed her story. You know, they expect it from me. As a professional, as a preacher, they expect me to get up and be passionate and to espouse these truths. But we want to see, does this really play out in my friend's life? Does this really work for the person sitting next to me? I mean, we expect it from you, Robert. You're a preacher. But, but this really worked in Jessica's life? And that's what happened after she started doing this? And this is what's transpired in her life? I want to tell you that people are gonna believe you more than they're gonna believe me. Let me just say that again. People are gonna believe you more than they're gonna believe me. This woman who had a horrible reputation came and talked about what happened in her life and what happened, the whole town showed up to hear Jesus. Why, because we wanna know what's happening in our family's life, in our friend's lives in our coworkers' lives, in our fellow students' lives. I want to tell you that your story is powerful. Your story has the power to change lives. And some of you go like, well, I don't have this story of, of coming from this horrible past and all these things I came from. My story is really normal. And guess what? There's a lot of normal people out there that need to hear from you. See, I think a lot of us in the church, we get really discouraged because we think, I'm, I'm not good at sharing about Jesus. I'm not good at evangelism. I'm not good at, at preaching the gospel. And we think preaching the gospel is just that really bold person that stands on the street corner and, and proclaims with a loud voice. Or we think that it's what we did in Mexico. You know, I'm, I'm sharing the gospel when I'm walking up to some person and I'm opening a tract and going through it. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I am totally for these things. I'm I'm for sharing the gospel in any way possible. But here's what I know is some of you feel like that's not my gift. That's not my personality. And so maybe I'm just a person that's never going to do that. And I want to tell you that everyone can get good at telling their own story. You can get good at telling your own story. And here's what happens is when you tell your story, your family and your friends believe you. This is what Paul did. In Acts 26, would you just look with me? Because a lot of times when we think of Paul, the apostle, the writer of much of the New Testament, we're just thinking about him standing up and preaching. But when he had the chance to be in front of someone, just one-on-one, -on -one, look at what he did. Acts 26, 2 through 5, he's, he's actually getting to stand before a king. And you know his model of sharing about Jesus is going to be sharing his story. Let's just read it real quickly. Acts 26, 2, it says, King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all accusations of the Jews, and especially because you're well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. I, I love that he doesn't start with this King Agrippa 
hey, turn or burn, dude. He, he doesn't start with like, hey, King Agrippa, you're going to hell. He, he starts by encouraging him. He's like, hey, I'm privileged to get to talk to you. And I know that you're acquainted with these things. You know, people aren't used to Christians being encouraging. I want to encourage you to be encouraging. Look at, look at how he goes on. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way I lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. Verse 5, they have known for me, they've known me for a long time and can testify if they're willing that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that's just what I did in Jerusalem. On authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison and they were put to death. And I cast my vote against them. And many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. He's basically saying, hey, before Jesus, I was a violent guy. I was an angry guy. You know, that's step one of telling your story. How were you before you met Jesus? What were you like before you met Jesus? That's what Paul does in the first part of his discourse. Now, let's look at what happens next in verse 12. He says, on one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests about noon, King Agrippa. And as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. And we fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up. And stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you've seen and, what, and will see of me. And I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. So that they might receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. He goes on next, point two, to say this is how I met Jesus. This is how I encountered Jesus. This is my story of how I encountered Jesus. Then he's going to give one more component of his little message. It's this. Verse 19. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. First to those in Damascus and then to those in Jerusalem and in all Judea and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. He basically is saying this. Number one, before Christ, I was this violent, aggressive guy. I thought I was all religious, but really I was killing people. But then I'm walking on the road, and I have this bright light that shines, and a voice that speaks to me, and it's Jesus. And I met him on the road that day. And since then, I went from being a persecutor and aggressive and violent to being one that walks around telling people the good news about God's love for them. He's just telling a story. Your story consists of three components, and I want to challenge you to become very prolific in sharing this. Point number one, what was your like before Christ? If I just have a few seconds, I say, you know, I was this cocky, selfish, self-focused athlete 
that was all about myself and all about getting the girls and getting the popularity, but really inside, I was empty. What I was like before Christ. How I met Christ. Now, I was on my college campus, and I saw this girl, and she just radiated with life and joy and peace. She didn't have all the things that the world says that you have to have, but she had something I wanted, and I asked her, girl, why are you like this? She said, I have a relationship with Jesus, and I accepted that, how I encountered Jesus, now what my life is like. And since then, I feel his presence. I know his touch. He's actually started speaking to me, and he's changed me from being a real selfish, self-focused person to someone that actually cares about others and actually has a purpose and fulfillment in life. I, I shared that one thing in one minute. I want to do a a little experiment with you over the next three weeks as we ramp up towards Easter and as we become determined to be a church that is good at telling our stories. I I, I wonder if you'd do a little experiment with me, and it's by using this, this wonderful invention that God's created called a smartphone. Um, You know, throughout awakenings in the body of Christ, They've always used the latest innovations, the latest technology. Let me explain this. In the, in the late 1700s, early 1800s, in the first great awakening, no one ever preached outside a church. Like if you were going to preach, you were inside a church. And this guy named George Whitfield thought, we can talk to a lot more people if we preach out in fields. And people were like, that's so weird to preach in a field. And John Wesley, like the main field preacher, was like, I'll never preach in a field. And then he preached in a field, and he was like, this is awesome to preach in a field. That's kind of like using social media to share the gospel, okay? It's like, you know, I, no, we just share pictures. We just share, no, but you can, you can reach a lot of people by using these different things. There's this app called Instagram, if you just came out of a cave that you've been living in for a few years. Um, and, and, and what it is, is you put a picture of what's going on in your life and then put a little caption and a little hashtag by it. And, and then they've just come up with this cool thing on Instagram in order to let us talk about Jesus. They've given us 15 seconds where you can actually put a video. And so I just made this little video the other day, and we've just been talking about how can we get a lot of people hearing our stories in the city, because here's what I know in a room this big. If, if you're connected to some kind of social media, will you just raise your hand right now? I mean, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, LinkedIn, you know, LMNOP, all those different ones. Um, that was most everyone in this room. And then what I know is that that's gonna, there's thousands of people connected to you. In fact, there's some people in this room that have like thousands of friends on these different things. I have like three, but that's okay. Um, we're, we're learning to be bold proclaimers of the message of Jesus. So why not let everyone know that we're connected with that Jesus changed our lives? So let me just show you, just, this is really simple. It's nothing profound. It's not mind-blowing. It's not earth-shattering. But let me just show you what I put up on our little Instagram uh, today. I was this cocky, selfish athlete who was really empty, but I, I met this girl that had such joy and peace, and she told me about her relationship with Jesus, and I decided I wanted that, 
and he just changed my life forever and filled me with such joy. Wow. <laughs> I know right now you're going, what must I do to be saved? Again, you know, I mean, it's not that powerful, okay? But it's making people think. And, and, and so on this little card, on this little invitation card, we just put a little hashtag because we haven't seen it done before, so we thought this would be cool. Post my story. And so I just put this up and, and, and hashtag post my story. I want to encourage you to do the same. Whether you record a 15-minute segment of yourself just explaining what you were like before Jesus, how you met him, and how your life has changed, or just put a little selfie of yourself and, and write down a little comment. We're redeeming the selfie, folks, right here. We, but what's going to be cool is people, we have 5,000 of these cards, and here's what I know about our church is we're, you guys are really good about passing out these cards. I meet more people that have come to this church because they got a card. In fact, I'm sure at some point uh, it'll prove otherwise, but I've never had someone reject taking one of these cards. I've never ha had someone say, no, 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 don't give me that card. Just say, hey, this is a little invitation I want to give to you. People take them all the time. And actually, I've had people ask me for more of them. So what's going to happen is... You know, they might not be impacted by my story, but they click on this hashtag, post my story. Huh, what is that? That's kind of like the woman at the well going, could this be the Messiah? Question mark. They go, post my story? What is that? You click on it, and they might not be impacted by my story, but they might be impacted by yours. Or they might be impacted by yours. Or they might be impacted by yours. So I want to encourage you to just practice this, a little 15-second testimony, or take a picture of yourself, or if you're not on Instagram, I'm, I'm watching now my little Instagram feed, because I had it on here, people starting to follow me, thank you so much, that's so kind of you, um, <laughs> but I want to just encourage you over these next three weeks, let's just take a step in proclaiming Jesus, let's take a step in showing people how our lives were changed by Jesus. And who knows whose story is going to be the key to unlock someone's heart. I, I want to tell you that God wants to make you a good story teller. And he wants you to just start telling your story all over the place. And who knows whose life will be changed forever because of what you say has happened in you. Why don't we stand up? Some of you are so excited because it's like the first time you've actually had permission to use social media while you're in church. You are eating this up right now. Okay, close your eyes. Put your phones down, please. Let's pray. God, we love you, and we love to, to discuss your word. We love to laugh and have fun, and we want to make you known. We want you to be famous in our own lives. We want you to be famous in the city of San Diego. We want, if there's a medium out there, Lord, we want you to be known on it. And Lord, we look forward to Easter where we know all over this nation, churches are going to be packed with people. And who knows their motivation for being there that day? Maybe it's to fulfill some religious obligation. Maybe it's because they're hungry for a meal. Maybe it's because they want their kids to have Easter eggs to hunt. But whatever it is, they're going to get to hear your good news. And so we pray for a, a harvest here at All People's Church and in every church in San Diego. Now, Father, over this room, 
so many different ones. Lord, we pray that you'd make us storytellers. God, give us boldness where we need to be bold. 